AT&T Threat Track is a roundtable discussion of security trends and news. Full video of this program can be found on YouTube by searching for AT&T Threat Track. Hey, Ganesh, I hear you have a story about USB Anywhere. Yes, Chris. Uh, there's a story about basically a research recently done by Eclipsium researchers around, I think, a little after Labor Day. Um, the USB Anywhere basically some some sort of vulnerabilities in the BMC part of the actually microservers, the way they are being authenticated, how the transmission has been done. There are about four vulnerabilities they've talked about, and they collectively they're calling it USB Anywhere. Uh, specifically, these vulnerabilities are Supermicro X9 to X11 versions, and the way they are doing it is actually the way authentication has been done in plain text most of the time. Sometimes they are using encryption, but even though they are using the encryption, uh, it's very weak. They could be able to basically figure out the encryption algorithm very quickly. Uh, these all actually can give lots of access to the remote attacker, you know, the various ways to leverage the access to BMC servers. Uh, that's the reason they're calling it USB Anywhere. Uh, USB Anywhere in the sense, actually, the way virtual media being interacted when using with the BMC softwares. Uh, before going that, I wanna talk a little bit about the, the, they have a very great uh, infographic which is explaining how this USB Anywhere part being leveraged with respect to a specific TCP port. Um, in the raw USB, basically, uh, there's, there will be a host server. On top of that, there will be BMC, uh, which is basically provides access by means of a Java applet, which basically runs on, um, I think, port 623 TCP. That's where actually they're most of the time talking about the vulnerabilities uh, very easily can be exploitable. I, I would talk about um, some graphs from our um, common backbone internet, how we are seeing the activity on this specific port, and how we can, we can correlate with uh, USB anywhere. Uh, okay. This is the graph, I think uh, sometime last week we were looking at uh, looking back like a la last 90 days of graph, looking at the scanning of the flows happening on this specific port. As you can see, there are some uh, spikes happening at regular intervals, like uh, maybe at least around five to six days, there was a big spike then coming down. But at the time of the publish, there's not much activity compared to the last 60 days or so. That's the basic of this graph, but I will take it to the another graph and basically explains how many unique scan sources are being actively probing on this specific port. Uh, this is also I'm actually showing at the past 90 days. As you can see, uh, since I think uh, third week of May or something, uh, there are sort of big spikes happening. And it, this trend seems to be continuing every six to seven days. If you can see from that time onwards, you see a big spike happening every sixth or seventh day. The way the graph can be read is on the y-axis, there's the number of unique scanners happening. Uh, for example, let's say if I pick up a third week of uh, May, uh, we have about 120, close to 120 scanners happening at the time. And they kind of uh, tapers down again, they comes down, at the average, there are about 10 to 12 scanners at any time seen on this port. What, what do we can tell? From our internet data, basically this is not a large volume port. I mean, we know we compare it to any HTTPS ports or 22s. It's very low volume port. 
but the, the uniqueness here is that the big spikes we are seeing every time, there seems to be something different there. Let's see if we can find out anything. These are the scanners. I mean, based on some of the reports we get, these are the scanners, how the geographical IP distribution of the scanners with respect to um, the distribution. Basically, in this graph, they, even though we are only seeing four dots here, the dot in LOE is basically represents the large number of scanners. Um, in this case, actually, I think uh, that corresponds to almost 102, 102, 102 source IPs belonging to a US-based, a prominent US-based cloud provider. And the next graphic I'll show you after taking out those uh, US-based cloud provider IPs, how the graph looks like. If you see, basically, uh, the scanners are there, but the big yellow dot is not there. This gives a good indication that I think a bulk of the activities happening in the previous case is coming from those cloud providers. For example, if I go here, the big spikes happening every seventh day where the IPs are about 100 plus, they belong to the prominent cloud, uh, cloud provider in this case. And uh, I picked a couple of IPs. Basically from here, there are about four to five IPs. I checked those IPs in the Shodan, and uh, one of the, basically all of them comes up to is some sort of scanners. They're not only scanning on this port 623, also they're also scanning other ports like SSH, uh, even 23Telnet, ADE443, but uh, I just wanna show that uh, there are known scanners which are also doing the bulk of the scanners also. Um, then I kind of pivoted on to using the binary edge scanners, which Eclipsium used to find out these devices, how many devices are there. Uh, when, I, when I did the query, I kind of got the same results as them. Uh, basically, in this case, actually, they can actually break down by the TCP port, how many are there. As you can see here, there are about 55,000 IPs which are vulnerable to uh, this USB anywhere. But a little caveat here, even though those ports are open, but not necessarily all of them might be vulnerable, they may not be vulnerable, but they are, these devices are open, maybe they can be leveraged for further exploits. Um, uh, what are the quick facts here? I mean, uh, there are hundreds of IPs from uh, US-based cloud IPs. Some of them seems to be have a malicious IP uh, associated with uh, there are some spikes happen, uh, like uh, not the 100 plus IPs happening, the other scanners, the other spikes belongs to some sort of scanners, as we discussed. Some of them seems to be from Census, some other seems to be other scanners out there, they're doing a scanning on this one. Typically, I think what would be the takeaways, um, definitely it's an interesting attack vector, because most of the time, uh, I mean, I mean if, you, if somebody gets access to the BMC, they kind of got, the, I think, uh, privileged access because most of the times organizations try to tend their energies and uh, actually hardening an OS, maybe app-related one. Probably not many are paying attention to actually patching up the firmwares. I think uh, if somebody has BMC and if they're not able to actually update to the latest updates from Supermicro, a quick fix would be you know, disabling the port 623, which kind of thwarts this uh, threat related to USB anywhere. I think, uh, yeah, that's all I want to talk about uh, relating to USB Anywhere. Yeah, it's really interesting, Ganesh. 
So do you think you're seeing any successful exploitation in the wild? I know there are those scans going on, but are people you know, using this? Uh, I mean, there are definitely scanners we, uh, we have seen, um, but not much as we expected. I think there are only 55,000 IPs at this point, but not half all of them are uh, actually vulnerable. But um, from the micro day, actually, they're providing the actual updates and they advise the vendors to basically chip back with them permanently to basically fix it. And in the past, I know typically they're very quick to identify any, any fixes, you know, they're providing fixes, they're very good. I think one quick fix is um, disabling the port 623 TCP, which kind of limits. And also, I think, uh, uh, defense in depth in this case, you know, if you have BMC, maybe provide, you know, close attention to the logs, how, which people are using, what kind of IP addresses are accessing, maybe looking at the data, maybe provide a little bit close. But definitely it's not prevalent, as prevalent as uh, we thought, but definitely it's an interesting attack vector to be paying attention to. Really interesting. I know you're gonna be talking about some of the DVR scanning later on with the weather report, so it'd be nice to see if you uh, see some overlaps in the people trying to hit the USB Anywhere stuff and uh, some of the DVR attacks as well. Yeah, they're very prevalent, yeah. The best protection would be if they, they, they are not up to date with the patches yet, they can disable the port 623 TCP, which is being used for basically accessing to these USB devices. Hey Chris, uh, I heard you have a great story about great cannon attacks. Could you elaborate a little bit on that? Thanks. I totally hope it's great. So uh, most people have heard of the Great Firewall, which means that if you browse the internet from within China, you're mm -hmm. maybe using certain websites, yeah, like BBC News, that kind of thing. Um, it's fair enough. But back in 2015, we saw something else for the first time called the Great Cannon. It was um, all over the news at the time because it was a technology being used to take down a number of websites um, with massive denial of service attacks. And the way that was working was that if you visited a website which loads some code from a site behind the Great Firewall, so the kind of blocking um, system, you'd instead be served back a piece of malicious script which meant that your machine sitting in, say, the United States or here in London, um, we would then start to attack other websites. And this meant that millions of people's machines, uh, like potentially me and you, were attacking certain websites that have been set to do. Um, and this was really noticed at the time because one of those sites was attacked was GitHub. And GitHub is the um, code sharing website. It's where the source code for most um, programs lives these days. And it went down for a bit of time. But somewhat strangely, after 2015 um, and those attacks um, in March 2015, the Great Cannon seemed to disappear. But we noticed a couple of weeks ago um, it seems to have come back again for some other attacks. Mm -hmm. So yeah, people were discussing about how there were some websites used to organize certain protests um, that were inaccessible and are suspecting that maybe it was something like the Great Cannon or some other technology being used to take them offline. And we took a look and we found that actually it was. It was a quite upgraded version of the Great Canon. So okay. it's being served in the same way. So if you request a website and it happens to be hosted behind the Great Firewall, you're going to be served back some malicious code and your machines are going to be attacking um, this protest website. And this would have been affecting millions of people. Um, anyone that's browsing, lots of big, big websites have been used to attack it. Um, the end result was this website went down for a while. It was interesting to see how they did it. They'd improved the code a bit. So they're trying to evade some of the modern denial of service protections like Cloudflare. Um, they were only partly successful there. 
And um, thankfully, though, after a few days, the work that basically had to mitigate that attack, um, that website came back up online, and now that attack has paused, and the great cannon has disappeared again for a while. But um, we were looking at the code that was used, because it's pretty interesting to see, you know, after four years, this, this attack code coming back again. And we found actually back in 2018, there was another attack, just no one noticed it. And there was a news website um, that was controversial to the people running, the Great Cannon, the Great Firewall. And that had been um, taken down for space about a year. People were attacking it. So it meant that there's something like a one in a thousand chance that if you were accessing certain websites, your machine would then be attacking this news website. Uh, so it was quite a subtle attack. It wasn't obvious. It was just hitting everyone. It was enough to slow down that website. So you might want to read about their news, but not fast enough that everyone's going to notice it. So it was really interesting to see um, those kind of subtle attacks. And uh, this is the kind of thing that I guess when you're looking at the Internet weather report, you're seeing in the background all the time, just thousands of attacks bouncing back and forth across the Internet. So, yeah, um, that's what we saw about the Great Cannon. This is really interesting. I mean, in this case, um, use of HTTPS, HTTP, does it make any difference? If they're browsing to these websites, it doesn't matter what kind of uh, web browser you're using. Does it make any difference in this case? Yeah, exactly. If these sites are using HTTP, they wouldn't be able to intercept that traffic. The mm -hmm. way it works is pretty interesting. Um, it's a bit buggy, too. It's basically massively injecting the routers. So as this is traversed, the Internet going across the website, they see your unencrypted HTTP request. They insert back instead their, um, that malicious code. Sometimes they get it wrong, too, because at this kind of low level, they have to guess the amount of packets they're sending back, that kind of thing. You often get mm -hmm. malformed code. Um, but, yeah, exactly. HTTPS would have stopped at least the way they're doing this. Maybe there'd be other ways we could you know, screw with DNS or something. But, yeah, encryption here would have uh, saved the day. There's always uh, something new tactics uh, which needs to be you know, addressed. Somehow we need to come up with the solutions to you know, mitigate this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's interesting as a researcher to see a new attack coming out, but for the people on the receiving end, yeah, it's good to uh, find a way to defend against it too. When you said about DNS, does TTL play any, any role in this one? Not that I've seen or I'm aware of. Um, mm -hmm. There's a really detailed analysis down at the protocol level by the Citizen Lab guys. Um, maybe in that paper they talk about that, but um, no, not yeah. that I'm aware of. They were using, um, they're trying to find where these machines were sitting, but doing the injection using things like bouncing around the world, but I didn't see if TTL was having any effect. Users need to be a little savvy. It's not easy to find out like victims to be their part of the DDoS. I think one should not visit questionable websites. That's the best protection. Hey Chris, uh, today I'm going to show the internet weather going on for the last week or so. In this slide actually we're looking at the top 10 most probed foods. Uh, which is basically looking at the um, volume of the volume on specific ports which is being uh, which are being scanned uh, in here we can see like the top 10 here there are two actually i would like to point out with the red arrows here the first one being 23 which is for telnet 445 for smb uh, you know ten, uh, telnet is a, the scanning is basically for looking for iot based devices in case of 445 even though it's SMB, it's mostly related to WannaCry. Uh, 22 is also basically looking for uh, any passwords on that, basically by most of the IoT devices, as we know. The fourth one is uh, 34567 TCP. Here, if you can see, basically last week it was at 52 position, but it jumped to 48 positions to four. That's what I'm going to 
talk about a little bit what happened in there, what we are seeing it. I, I guess, uh, yeah, Eternal, but there are still, you know, some systems which are not patched. We know, unfortunately, it's not easy to patch them all. I think they come in patterns. Sometimes they come down. Also, if some new botnet is coming, which is have that Eternal Blue exploit in it, they try to scan it also, even though somebody, some botnet has already been scanned. They do their own scanning. I think uh, that's what we're kind of seeing it. But it can, it can be different, too. Actually, recently, I think it came last week. There was one ransomware. I, I can't remember the name, but it has Eternal Blue as one of the exploit codes. I think that's how it propagates. It's uses 445 and also other RPC ports 135, 138. The way it does is once it infects the machines, it kind of shuts down the other malware components by other competing malware. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they want all the resources for themselves itself. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, and the sixth position, we have RDP 3389, 81, 80, 80, zero, you know, basically some alternate HTTP ports. But uh, at the, uh, in the next slide, I want to talk about 34567 TCP and how we are seeing on our common backbone. In this case, uh, I'm showing the last six months of data, like 180 days. Uh, here, the volume of the scans, as we are seeing it. As you can see, there are some peaks. I think on through track a couple of weeks ago, Stan actually talked about that we are seeing the uptick in there. That we can be seen actually on uh, somewhere around last month, there was a big uptick. But it kind of tapered up, but uh, since last week, like two, three days onwards, you can see the big jump in the volume. For example, uh, if you see here, I think it's going up to 220 million flow counts per hour. Uh, that's about the volume. But in the next slide, we'll see the, how the scanners are happening on this, number of unique scanners happening on this specific port. As you can see, uh, corresponding to the scan volume, there is also increase in the scanners. Uh, but I think on an average now, we are seeing around 122, 150,000 scanners per hour at any time. And uh, we took from one of the reports how these scanners distribution would be to see in our GeoGeoFlab distribution. In this case, the report we took it actually at the time it has about 11, close to 10,000 source IPs. And when you put into the geographical distribution map, this is how the distribution is. Darker yellow, I think more concentration instead of the red, red seems to be the little tiny ones. But as you can see, it's high, heavily concentrated in some parts of the world, maybe like Asia Pac, uh, and also Asian region, some, I think India, China, Vietnam, some parts of North America and some parts of South America heavily uh, distributed here. I think in this case, uh, probably there are lots of devices in those regions which have this port open. And what this specific port? I think this is from, uh, uh, our basically honeypot stats. 
how is it's looking like as you can see we can see i mean brute force attempts to certain dvr kind of devices here uh, as you can see actually there uh, yeah there brute force login activity against certain cases of dvrs and when we looked at shodan and a little bit research actually there seems to be having rtsp service open that's basically a real time uh, streaming protocol and also besides that there are also other ports exposed to the internet uh, there i mean uh, the passwords and logins are listed here they are used with lots of iot devices specifically lots of dvrs and vrs so this is what we are observing with respect to 34567 Yeah, no, well, the challenge is it's not easy to fix them because, I mean, some of them are backdoors created by the manufacturing themselves. So they have to provide some sort of, uh, you know, formula updates to close them. The next slide, um, we're talking about the most sources being probed. In this case, in last we talked about the most probes. In this case, more sources probed on which probe. Basically, in this case also, there are not much deviation from the previous weeks, as we see. Lots of 445 SMB, as we talked about. Uh, even this SMB is mostly for uh, eternal blue and um, stuff like that, you know. And 23 for tunnelnet. Uh, again, you can see 34567 TCP again, but I'm not going to talk about here. But the, at the seventh position is 555 TCP, which is ADB Android debug port. I ga I'm going to show it uh, what we are seeing from our common backbone with respect to the distribution, uh, the levels of uh, scanning happening on this specific port. Um, in this case, I'm showing that the last 365 days of data, what's happening uh, on this port with respect to the scanners. Uh, I think uh, at this time, on an average, there's um, averaging around 8,000 to 9,000 scanners per hour. But there were peaks at that one time, they're reaching about 12,000. And around, I think, uh, sometime in May, they kind of reached up to 180,000 scanners per hour. Uh, but even though it's uh, uh, the way we are seeing it, even though it's registered to Android debug bridge, the way we are seeing is I think it's related to a Hawaii home uh, exploit. That's what uh, they're trying to do it instead of a 555 ADP one. How can we say that? I think again, uh, this is the distribution of uh, scanners we are seeing from similar to the GUIP graph we are seeing it. Similarly, I think uh, I could say to a lesser concentration, the distribution seems to be almost similar. I think uh, Asia Pac, South America, North American regions, and some regions are heavily concentrated. Again, if you are there looking for Hawaii, basically it's another IoT DVR kind of device. So probably, you know, they look uh, they're concentrated in same regions also. Um, 
This is again from our honeypot capture. Uh, that's a request for post, which is for a Hawaii URL. And there is a command injection exploit, which has been observed with BusyBox, uh, getting like a wget. And based on that, uh, we could say that even though it's an Android debug port, it's looking for uh, some sort of exploit for Hawaii devices. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, uh, that's all I want to show it for uh, this week's Internet Weather. Even though it's used by ADB, but I think in this case also it's related to Hawaii Exploit Code, which is another IoT-based device. Uh, I think um, the increase in scanning is related to that exploit code. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.